In the name of the holy and undivided Trinity, one God. Amen. As we have for several weeks now, we encounter Jesus in this passage being harangued by the leaders of the Jewish people. To go back to the context of where we are in Matthew's narrative, this takes place between Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem and when Judas Iscariot betrays Jesus after they break bread together. The leaders have filled those days with little tricks to get Jesus to either commit blasphemy by, by breaking tradition with scriptural teachings, or to commit sedition by pitting himself against the Romans. And as we've heard these past several weeks, Jesus has been far too clever to fall into their traps. But again, they try to trick him, to get him to say the wrong thing. And they ask him to identify the greatest of God's commandments. He tells them exactly what they want to hear. This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I imagine that knowing what they know, they're bewildered by his response. To their knowledge and understanding of Hebrew scripture, the law doesn't contain just two commandments or even just 10, but there are 613 separate commandments that one must live to follow a godly, devout life. Some Hebrew teachers divide these 613 into 365 prohibitions, one for each day of the year, and 248 positive commands, one for each bone of the body, indicating that the law of God should govern each of our days and each of our movements. Because loving God requires complete devotion. But instead, Jesus tells them that there are just two laws that are the most important for living a holy and devout life. Love God, love your neighbor. This instruction seems relatively straightforward to me. Jesus instructs that at the heart of everything, at the center of each movement, and across the entirety of every day, there must be love for God, for our neighbors, and for ourselves. Above all of the laws, all of the prophets' teachings, all of the ways that we exist in the world, they should distill down to love. Everything we do must be guided by love. 
this should be the only instruction, the only rule we need. Several years ago, over a decade, I guess, I worked as the customer service office manager at a particular upmarket housewares and furniture store. The couple who founded the chain opened the first shop in the 1960s in Chicago's Old Town using overturned shipping crates and old wine barrels to display their wares. They had a rich guiding principle that ensured positive customer satisfaction. That in customer service, there is only one policy. We do our best to make things right. Everything else is a guideline. And so as I prayed with this text over the course of the week, this policy came to mind because I see an equivalence in Jesus's words. There is only one policy. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Everything else that follows, follows that guideline. And if we use that as our baseline, everything that follows should be done in love. Similarly, there's a proverb that says, water always finds a way out. Meaning water will always return to its source, regardless of the distance or the barrier. It will sneak through every crack in the ground and even move the earth to return to the sea. And I think we need to know that love is the same way. Love is from God and will always return to God. Sometimes we are the mechanism by which that happens through caring for our neighbor in times of strife. Loving God above all other things invites us and motivates us to actively participate in God's beloved community. If we commit to loving God with every sinew and synapse, every action and reaction, every thought, movement, and sneeze, that love flows into every other crevice it can find and shapes how we exist in the world. With love as our policy, the crafters of the Book of Common Prayer gave us a few extra guidelines to help steer us in that right direction. In our baptismal covenant, which we will encounter again when the bishop visits in two weeks. We promise to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves by continuing in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, 
by resisting evil and returning to the Lord, by proclaiming the good news of God in Christ, by seeking and serving Christ in all persons, and by striving for justice and peace among all people. These are the guidelines that we, as Episcopalians, agree to abide by as our way of loving God, loving our neighbor, and changing the world. At the heart of these guidelines is that greatest law that Jesus asks us to follow. First, we're asked to give our hearts, souls, and minds entirely to loving God. Perhaps this isn't an invitation to live courageously, to expect to encounter God in those moments where you're uncomfortable or when you feel challenged to find God's presence in your uncertainty. For others, this may be an invitation to draw more closely to God in prayer and worship to sit with God's presence within us and be in relationship with God. We're all given such unique gifts and talents that there is no right way to do this. But what matters is that we try anyway. The baptismal covenant invites us to seek and serve Christ in all people and to strive for justice and peace in the world around us. This is the action stage of Jesus's call to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because our neighbor isn't just the person next to us, someone who looks like us, thinks like us, or speaks like us. Our neighbor is our enemy those we disagree with, those we simply don't like. Our neighbor is also the person out there. You know, the one who knows all too well the pain of inadequate love, the starving, the abused, the addicted, the immigrant, the grieving, the underemployed. There are far too many people who do not know love. And Jesus asks us to be disciples of love to and with each of those people, to show them love and justice and mercy, to invite them into God's loving and beloved community. We have a great many things to learn from those people. But we can only learn from them if we love them first. Remembering that they will know us by the love we show. The philosopher and social critic Cornell West has famously said, justice is what love looks like in public. It's so much easier to look the other way, to avoid, dismiss, or ostracize 
than it is to look people in the eye and remind them that they matter, that they are needed, that they are loved by you, by humankind, by God. If we can demonstrate to these neighbors of ours who have been cast aside by society that they are loved, imagine the love that God feels when we do that, when we do our best to make things right, to make things just, to let our love flow like water into every crack and crevice, letting it run back to its source, back to God from whom it came. With our headline news filled with things that just don't look like love, I think we all feel especially challenged to know how to share love <clears throat> with a world that doesn't seem to recognize it. But that action of love is to work toward a world where love is at the center of everything we do. And that's what so many of us do through all of the things that fill our time, whether it's taking care of cats or volunteering somewhere, everything we do. When I think about some of the things that the people in St. Mark's Church in Penyan do, it's so clear to me that we're putting love out into the world because it's at the very core of who we are as a community. It's at the heart of what we believe and who we try to be in the world. And while that's enough, perhaps the aching, violent world around us is asking us to love a little harder, to really love our neighbors, to get to know them in different ways, to understand their hurts and their needs and the things they need, not just to survive, but to grow, flourish, and rejoice. That's the gift we can give to a world that's so ugly. That's the promise of hope that we share with those around us. That's the next step in helping the water flow, helping God's love flow into every crack and crevice. If we live in such a way that love is our policy, that loving God is our policy, then everything else is simple. Everything else is easy because we're doing the very thing we're called to do as Christians, as God's beloved community. If we believe in love, if we believe in justice, and we live our lives in a way that shows others what we believe, we're doing the work God calls us to do. And we have to do it consistently. And we have to do it with heart, soul, and mind, completely grounded in love. <clears throat>